everybody. Welcome. Welcome. You're listening to Talking in the Rain. My name is Sarah Unju. I am your host and I'm really happy because it is actually raining as I record this. Vancouver is so back. <laughs> anyway, today my guest is Miwa Matreik. Miwa is part of the Ironworks series. So the Ironworks series actually... It's a new addition to the Vancouver International Film Festival. They are inviting established resident artists to perform their innovative works at the Ironworks venue in Gastown. And Miwa is performing from 9 to 10 p.m. on October 7th. She creates an emotional dreamlike mediation on climate catastrophe and the Anthropocene. Her work is emotionally impactful, embodies illustration of the news headlines that we see every day. She blends animation, collage, and performance all together using her own shadow body and rear projected animation and perfect timing. She will be performing The World Made Itself and Infinitely Yours, both of which we get into in this interview. We talk about these works, her inspiration for these works. We talk a little bit about her experience with her MFA in experimental animation and integrated media. We get into teaching because she is a faculty member at SFU, which is why she's moved to Vancouver from Los Angeles. So we talk a little bit about the differences between LA and Vancouver, about transitioning into being a teacher uh, with the added component of being a mother i hope you enjoy let's get into it let's start talking a little bit about your artistic practice uh how did you get started and how has your practice evolved over time i come from a background in animation and collage um experimental animation was my mfa degree from cal arts when i graduated in 2007 um but through the process of being in the art school that was kind of like one building that housed like music and theater and dance and fine arts and and theory and stuff like that. Um, I started just kind of like expanding my practice from just making short films into thinking about what does it mean to have media projected in context to a body or space. Um, it also was because I started taking classes outside of my department that was like a puppetry class. Um, and I think just that started to kind of open me up too. So yeah, for my very first year at CalArts, I started collaborating with a theater directing student. Um, and then uh, the second year, a music composer performer joined us and we started making um, work together as sort of like a co uh, collective. We made short 20, 20 minute or so pieces every year that we were in school. Um, and it didn't fit anywhere because it, there wasn't a class that this fit into. We just got super excited about making work and just, you know, just carving out time and like just uh, putting on shows around school. Um, so that collaboration uh, later turned into my theater company, Cloud Eye Control. Um, but sort of like parallel to that, after having worked that way for a few years with these collaborators, I was like, well, maybe I want my own work to be, you know, not just short films, but something that integrates liveness and um, plays with what's real and physical and what's ephemeral and like projection um, and kind of considering how I can make um, the real world feel more magical and the 
sort of the magical world of the animation feel more tangible because it's in relationship to a body. A body is interacting with it somehow. Yeah. So that was sort of like just kind of being exposed to that kind of space and feeling a lot of support um, at grad school really um, just kind of pushed me into exploring in this direction. Um, And yeah, I graduated in 2007. And because we had so much work that we had made while we were in school, um, we were fortunate to just start be able to show work as soon as we graduated at festivals. And that that started to get our kind of like, both for my theater company and for my own work, just kind of like get our feet under ourselves of, um, um, you know, making connections in the art world, showing more, getting commissions and stuff like that. Um, so I've been basically like a touring artist since graduating, although like really the touring kicked off in 2010 when I made my first piece as a solo, um, outside of grad school. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so for your MFA, you created a thesis performance, which was called Dreaming of Lucid Living. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw the, the trailer on your website. It Mm -hmm. is, I would say, you like have your own style now right Mm -hmm. um which we can also see in the two performances you will be doing for this infinitely yours and this world made itself Mm -hmm. so when you were creating your thesis performance uh did you think that this is you know this is who I am as an artist this is what I will be doing in the future too no, not really. I think I, I was just making it because it was really fun and so interesting. Um, I would say that, again, both for the theater company stuff and for my own stuff, um, like tinkering is such like a grounding process for me just to like, oh, how can I make this illusion happen? Or how can I make this like this thing happen? And like, like figuring out problem solving is like really fun for me. Um, so I think that was part of like the drive that had me going to make these things. Um, but yeah, I, I think that being able to kind of start to see this as like a, a career or even like an artistic practice really came out of being able to show the work right after graduating and seeing that there is recognition and, you know, support for, for that kind of work. Um, but after graduating, I did work commercially as an animator for um, like three years or so so it was freelance so it was somewhat flexible if I was like okay yeah I could work for like these three months and I have to go you know work on this project for a month and I'm going to come back after that um so it's really great that it was actually it's a pretty flexible industry so I was working in motion graphics which is you know like doing animation and design for commercials and music videos and so it was just a matter of like the 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 freelance um the more you know the that kind of like gig work and then the the touring and making projects like that balance kind of slowly shifting over the first like four years or so until I was kind of barely doing freelance I was just taking it some sometimes and I had like you know like a month and I was actually going to be home and um doing more of the traveling um some residencies and like again like commissions or projects um that were supported financially how do you feel about touring do you like it when you compare it to working you know like for example doing your residency um mm-hmm. what are some main differences do you think yeah um so touring is a little bit different from like if you think of like a band or something I wasn't really going like from city to city to city to city or something often most of the time it was like to one place and come back and maybe like one two or three places and come back um up to maybe like three years ago, pre-pandemic, basically, I really liked touring. And um, it was 
I was, you know, it was just an honor to be invited to various places around the world, um, meeting new people, like new communities, um, seeing just that 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 part of the earth. Um, I often love to combine, like extend the time a little bit so I can actually explore the place rather than just like be in a dark theater the whole time. Um, that did change a bit over the pandemic as well as um, having a child. Um, so now I'm not touring as much. Besides the fact that now I also teach full time at SFU, I moved from LA to Vancouver. So um, schedule wise, you know, touring is not quite realistic to do all year round obviously, but now I also have a reason to want to get home as soon as possible because, you know, there's someone who um, is really sad when I go. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Touring <laughs> does change a bit as you, you know, age and um, your yeah. life changes. Yeah. Do you think in the future after, you know, your kid grows up a little, um, you will continue touring? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess now like yeah, there's this like this career change of teaching. So, and then there's the, the whole balance of like balancing motherhood, um, the teaching and trying to actually continue making work. And that's a pretty hard balance. Um, I've been teaching for two years now, so I'm not sure if I'm getting the hang of it or if it's, it, it still feels like pretty overwhelming. Um, yeah. So, and it's also fun and exciting too, but you know, I think it's a lot of things to try to like continue. So yeah, currently I've, I'm not really working on anything new. There's been like little experiments and short things, but mostly it's been just showing the work that I premiered in 2020 that didn't get to tour very much yet. So I am like traveling and showing that a little bit. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about VIF specifically. As I mentioned, you're showcasing both Infinitely Yours and This World Made Itself for the Ironworks series. Is there a certain reason why you're performing these two specifically? Well, I mean, definitely Infinitely Yours because it's the newer piece. And um, I think as an artist, like whatever is the newer feels like the most pertinent to what you want to say in the moment, right? Um, and that piece is about climate crisis. Um, and it's um, like, it was something that I was deeply thinking about as I was making the piece. Um, the world changed a bit with the pandemic, but in my life changed again with motherhood and like, you know, relocation and career change. But it, it is still something that I, I really, I really want that infinitely yours to be sort of a, a conversation starter um, to have people in the room together and just kind of like experiencing the work and thinking about climate crisis and our part in it. Um, so yeah, I'm always happy to show that work. Um, and this one made itself is about earth history so this was kind of like more inspired by just the awe of like some of the inspiration came from looking out from an airplane window and being just in awe of like landscapes um and just like pondering what that landscape looked like millions of years millions and billions of years ago or what it might look like millions and billions of years in the future that it's not permanent so it is like always shifting um as well as like you know like from the air seeing like mines and like fracking and stuff especially playing uh flying in the southwest a lot at the time like flying over texas there's just like fields of like fracking um and it almost looks like like a motherboard from above um yeah so just kind of like seeing stuff like that and be like wow we're really like scratching up the surface of the earth and it feels like really visceral so i really wanted that viscerality to come through in that piece um, mm -hmm. as well as like the awe of like just you know the the vastness of 
uh, time and space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the two pair, pair well because it goes from like the birth of the earth into like climate crisis in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, like fracking and what we're doing to the earth, it that's why we have a climate crisis, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and yeah, just be, like be really visually visible from the sky is like kind of intense. Mm-hmm. Damn. It sounds like you get a lot of inspiration and ideas from the world around you. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any artists that take inspiration from? Yeah. I mean, I can't say if there's like a specific person, but yeah, I, I would say that like, I've been fortunate to have to perform in some like curations about around climate crisis and being in like uh, inspired by like photographers and filmmakers who are addressing it um, in their work. Um, but I think that I often, yeah, often get inspired by the actual, the actual world itself. Um, like this room in itself is also very much inspired by going to the natural history museums, which is like one of my favorite things to do when I was touring a lot, every city that I went to, if there was a natural history museum, no matter how small I would go. Um, and I feel like that was like a priority over going to an art museum for me. Um, because it's just really interesting to see the ways that the earth is like visually represented through dioramas or like, you know, diagrams and information and painting and um, like through fossils and stuff. Um, That's really interesting. You really yeah, can find inspiration I, I, everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, for inspiration for this uh, Infinitely Yours, it was very much inspired by... Uh, like I started thinking about it a long time before I, I sat down to animate it. Um, so I, I think I started thinking about it from like 2015 or 16 or so, and just like kind of feeling really overwhelmed by the news around climate change. And I feel like there was kind of an influx of like news articles and news pieces about climate change around that time, because it just started to feel more undeniable. Um, so I was kind of like collecting and cataloging all these kinds of things, news pieces, and then being like, okay, I want to like, and collecting these stuff about like wildfires and like flooding. And I want to make sure that somewhere in my piece, there's going to be a scene about flooding and wildfires, um, as well as just like our actual own experiences. I mean, you know, having lived in LA for such a long time, like being stuck in traffic and seeing like three plumes of smoke in the distance, it's like a wildfire in three different places. And you're like, oh, you know, um, and like actually having friends lose their homes in wildfires, um, like in cities outside of LA, like when there was the big one in Venture in Ojai, um, I think that was like 2018. So yeah, just just ways that um, all these moments of like the, these images and and sort of like manifestations of climate crisis, like feeling pertinent and moment to moment every year at, at some point, right? Um, mm-hmm. Personally or or even if it's like distant to like, if it's, it's like, oh, it's on the other side of the world, but like, they'll just keep repeating and happening in like other places closer to you, further from you. Um, yeah. So it was very much inspired by like the news, um, yeah. but kind of like in a very condensed nightmarish. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, for your work, you use animation, you use your own shadow behind a curtain mm-hmm um complemented by music for the visuals is it all animated or do you like take pictures or Mm -hmm. do you like paint do you create um 
Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about yeah, yeah. that? Yeah, I come from a background in collage. Um, so I'm basically very much using After Effects, um, which is like an animation software um, by Adobe. Um, I'm really using it sort of like a, as a moving collage. So yeah, for, especially for Infinitely Yours, a lot of the images you see are photos and videos that I took. Um, there are some things that are found images that I kind of deconstructed and reconstructed and built, like combined with my own imagery. But yeah, so a lot of what you see in Infinitely Yours are like moments from my life um, and just objects around my house, like, you know, a chair or a plant or um, like a, uh, like my sofa or, you know, uh, my dining room table. And there's a lot of images also that were just things that I had shot um, in passing, like even many years ago, like, you know, going on a hike and taking a video of a waterfall. And then when I was making the piece being like, oh, you know, I want to make like a, a moment where there's like a waterfall coming out of my shoulders and be like, oh, I have that footage. I could go back and cut it up. And, you know, yeah. Um, including like an oil field too, that I had come across on a, on a road trip through central California and then, you know, when you just see like this massive oil field and like all the, all these pumps, um, just as far as eyes can see, I was just like, it's crazy looking, you know, and like took a bunch of photos and videos. And when I was making the piece, like a few years later, I'd be like, oh, I have that footage and I have those photos. I could cut them up and like, you know, kind of composite them, reanimate them, collage them into a new, new image. Yeah. And yeah. It, to be honest, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> um, a lot of work. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, it takes a long later. time. How long does it usually take for you to create a, mm -hmm. a performance piece? Um, Infinitely Yours took me about a year and a half um, of like fairly, you know, uh, full time work with maybe little windows of again going away for touring. But yeah, yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> and in sp talking specifically about Infinitely Yours, you are using music from an avant-garde opera titled House of Stone by Morgan Soren. Mm -hmm. um, what made you pick this piece for your performance? Um, so living in LA, I was, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of friends in the music world too. So um, Morgan Soren, who's the composer of all the music for this piece, um, was just a friend and I just felt like his music would really work well with the, the energy of like, um, despair and destruction and creation that I wanted to happen in um, Infinitely Yours. So I was able to just approach Morgan and say, hey, can I like look through all your music and like see which songs, vibes. So it wasn't uh, original music made for the piece, but he just has so much music that I was able to go through and start identifying ones that work for me. Um, and then basically just asking for permission and licensing, paying a fee for the use um, for the performances. Um, but with that said, because it's all music just by Morgan, for some of the shows that we did, like at Sundance and um, at the Red Cat Theater in Los Angeles, um, we were able to have Morgan basically perform live as a soundtrack. Yeah, so um, we he gave me versions of the music that was like half of the tracks taken out, like the vocals and some like percussion and some other instruments. So he can travel with that and have sort of like a very... Um, thinned out backing track and you could do all the vocals and layering of like percussion and stuff on top live so it's really special to like be able to perform as if you know with like music and the 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 performance at the same time yeah that sounds amazing is morgan still in los angeles yeah well he's just outside of los angeles and um mm -hmm. uh ridgecrest so it's, i think it's like an hour and a half drive outside but yeah mm, yeah yeah 
Larger oh, LA area. I hope you get to to perform together again. That that sounds like it would be such a great experience as an audience to see. Well, both because your performance alone has so many different components to it, and then the added live music. It, I feel like it would be just like a overall great experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super fun. And so you mentioned that you were based in Los Angeles. Uh, now you live in Vancouver. Have you no- noticed any big differences when it comes to the these two uh, cities' art scenes and your experience as an artist in these two cities? Yeah, I mean, LA, I got to know very well because Cal Arts is like maybe 40 minutes outside of LA, but you know, just like most, probably like over half of the Cal Arts people who graduate just roll down the hill into Los Angeles. Um, there's a great alum, uh, alumni community and like so much support. You know, if you're like, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. It's like, oh, I'll call up this person. Vancouver, I'm still getting to know because, you know, with a small child and teaching full time, I feel like I'm not just like out at night, you know, going to art things. Um, I do see that there's a really strong dance community here. Yeah. And I'm also impressed with like a lot of like kind of cultural events that happen, especially in the summer. Um, I, I'm Japanese American. So some of like the Powell Street Festival and like the, the events that happen at Nikkei Museum, I'm kind of following. Um, yeah, but I, I haven't really gotten around to checking out the fine art side of things. So a little bit of performance, like theater, a little bit of dance I've seen so far in town. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said you've been here two years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I, I think I got involved more with the arts and culture events here on like my third year in Vancouver. So mm-hmm. you're way faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> so how has the transition been into being a faculty member? Um, It's, it's very different from being an artist. Uh, you know, because you're just on your own schedule, like beholden to all your old de- uh, own deadlines. And like, again, like that tinkering energy for me and feeling like, I think there's a thing like with artists about kind of like feeling magical and like what you are creating. Um, Do you think the added component of having students is changing at all the way you've been creating anything I'm not sure I I feel like I just haven't had the time to really sit down and make something like you know we have the summer but um sometimes I'm teaching the summer too I I do feel like I really want to get to a place where I'm with the classes I'm teaching I I would really love to you know pass on some sort of creative spark or like like a, a weird artist energy like oh yeah um like the class that I'm doing well it's actually smaller groups I have two groups of it but we're just doing stuff with like ink and like different materials and like mica powder under a macro camera just making really cool you know um like ink and water and uh and paint like stuff effects and like I'm like yeah you guys I just want you to get really weird with this you know and I'd be really thrilled. It's the kind of stuff that I'd be thrilled if someone's like, oh, yeah, like this is going to be the class. We're just going to give you all this stuff and you're going to like experiment. Um, and I think kind of, again, like that kind of tinkering experimental energy is something I'd really love to pass on to students. Um, so I hope they are open for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, do you. So. I'm sorry, I don't know exactly what you teach. So if my question is stupid, you can skip it. (laughs) Um, 
has it been experimental for you teaching um have you been getting out of your what you're used to creating more or mm-hmm. have you been teaching what you know mm-hmm. i'm in the production design area in theater so as i mentioned i come from an animation background but then i'm in theater production design um production design meaning like it's you know traditionally it'd be things like set design costume design lighting design um like stage management like you know production management uh and video design so i'm kind of like the video design type specialist in the area um and some of those things we're not really doing like we're not doing costume design um because we don't have the support for the faculty who could do it but but we're also kind of changing, redesigning our program. So it's not so much like traditional theater based, but more like um, these are people who are designing experiences and space and designing for bodies. Um, potentially, you know, they are forming a puppet puppet ensemble and like performing themselves, but like with elements that they've designed or something like that. Right. So, yeah, in the practice that I'm doing, it, it is. I think it's like both kind of in line with what I do, but also a little bit outside of it. Like for one of my classes where we are doing like shadow puppets and, you know, um, like storytelling with overhead projectors and just making stuff with cardboard. Um, So it's a lot more hands-on than I had been doing mostly with like the animation, but I do also have like kind of a hands-on tinkering kind of process too. I'm just trying to expand that so that it becomes like a skill that everyone's kind of, getting well in school yeah and you said you experiment a lot with new ideas when when it comes to your experimentations and you said you're you know more hands-on um how long until like you come back to an idea or you do you usually end up continuing with those experimentations or do you mostly it's just you know experiments and then you don't continue with them how is that process like for you um, I, I think it's a little bit of both because there can be experiments and like, I think another value that I really love, I really hope to instill in people is like scalability and transferability of skills. So it's like, you know, we made a bunch of cardboard ha- homes or cardboard boxes and I really like step-by-step step showed them how, but it's like, okay, but the skill wasn't learning how to make a cardboard home it's about like following directions like being detail-oriented like being really like precise about measuring blah 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 um and I feel like often when I make experiments it might even be for like something silly but then I think that kernel of an idea often will re-emerge again to turn into something else or show up in my work in a different way so I think just making just taking the time to make things is always useful because, you know, a, a small thing that you made for a friend as a joke or something, like something about that process of figuring it out um, might turn into something that you make that's like a lot bigger, you know? Um, so I just don't see it as like time wasted to just like, you know, make things by hand. Yeah, definitely. And so I, um, I looked at your Instagram a little bit and all of I honestly all of the comments on your all of your posts were so so positive and everyone's so supportive and in one of your posts you mentioned that you don't really use you didn't use Instagram too much but now you've been you know using it a little bit more do you think this positive feedback 
effects, both wanting to share your work more with people and also how you create as well. Yeah, although I would say that, so I had the public profile, this is my artist one, and I haven't really kept up with it. I do have a private one that I do like keep a lot more with. So I feel like often when there's like little little things that I make, I, I have tended to show on the, the private side rather than the public side. And I do really, I think having that, uh, again, that positive feedback does really help. Um, like concluding things that I do in the classroom because, you know, um, after the class is done and they put all their projects together in the corner, I might take a picture of it and talk about like, this is the process that we did. And and also having a lot of um, other people who are teach like professors in my network, I think getting like their feedback or thoughts, just even as like a comment, I think is like, it just makes it feel more grounded and not abstract and just inside of a classroom, right? Um, yeah, I do like seek that emotional support, maybe more <laughs> on the personal side than the, the public account that I think you saw, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, you as a person, do you think you also suffer from being your own worst critic? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm also like good at like cheering myself on or like, um, you know, again, I, I think I get so much of like that weird artist, like tinkers energy of like, oh, like I want to problem solve this part and I want to add this detail. And it's like, just kind of like wanting to like put more and more and get, and I'm like, can keep an excited energy about it. But, you know, sometimes I'm like, is this crazy that like I'm making this like really um, silly thing or, you know, but I think I often make stuff without, I, I, maybe I'm like lucky to make stuff without being too worried about audience and some things I make and there's no audience or, you know, the audience is just like a few friends because I'm not making it, you know, as, as an artist, as yeah. you know, a public artist. So I, I really do consider mostly just like my solo work and Claudia Control's work to be like my work as an artist. But I mean, mm -hmm. like, you know, like I have a bunch of collages in here, like there's a lot of kind of hobby craft kind of stuff that I love doing too. Yeah. And of course kind of like is in the same vein as, when I said I make After Effects animation as like moving collage, mm -hmm. um, it's just like using different resources in this case. Yeah. And so Infinitely Yours is a, a newer piece. Have you, mm -hmm. you haven't performed that in Vancouver yet, have you? Or I have. You have? Um, yeah. I performed for Powell Street Festival mm -hmm. in this, uh, August. Um, I think that was it. I also did a show at school, but that was mostly just for the students. So mm -hmm. it wasn't really. Yeah, I haven't had like a big show of it in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. How does it feel knowing that now this will be out in the world for, I guess, a bigger audience to see? Yeah, well, I think the VIF event isn't going to be really big. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure if they talked about it, but I, I think it's it is also for the public, but I think it's actually mostly for the, the festival filmmakers was mm -hmm. their idea to kind of create like a late night gathering space. Um, and I do think that the... The curation of it is really interesting and great that, you know, it's like we have all these people who are like filmmakers in town for VIF, but how do we also share work that's like um, in, in that language or in that similar role, but like a little bit outside of it? And how does that like, you know, how does that bring us into like that film community as well as like the film community kind of like opening up a little bit to like more let more people in? Um, and that's been kind of interesting for me because, again, as a 
someone from animation background, you know, if I just made a bunch of animation, I'd be like at film festivals and animation festivals, right? But because I do these performances, um, often film festivals don't have a space for me to perform in. Like they can't curate me often film film cinemas, like a, a theater where film is being shown. They don't have a, a deep enough stage for me to perform on. Um, so sometimes even if I applied, they're like, oh no, like we don't have a space or resources or like money to support that kind of work. Um, so I do think it's great when film festivals create this kind of space and like special creation and form for it. Um, including Sundance that I've been to three times. They have a session called New Frontiers that's like film plus performance, film and uh, film and installation, also kind of going into VR and stuff. But it's just like different modes of storytelling that is still centered around the moving image in some way. Um, yeah, so I am excited. You know, I talked about like getting to know the dance world and the performance world a little bit in Vancouver, but it'll be nice to get plugged in and connected to the film, connect, uh, film community and Vancouver and Canada as well so that's exciting definitely meeting artists like from different uh, mediums uh, not just your own I feel like it's great for both you know having connections as you said when you were thinking about the music for infinitely yours (laughs) I mean you knew Morgan already and also (laughs) could be you know really inspiring as well so that sounds like a a great time I hope I hope the performance goes smoothly (laughs) I'm sure it will it all sounds great and I'm really glad that you joined me today um so yeah thank you have a nice day bye